All right. Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans. We bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Craig. And actually, uh, this week we're, we have three people here recording on the show. And so with us, uh, once again, is Brandon. Uh, if you guys remember, I think I... The last call I had with Skype was saying that the last time you were on the show was back in April. So it's been a while. But uh, welcome, Brandon. And uh, three people. Damn. Yeah, we're getting, we're, we're, it's not too crowded though. I could only imagine, like, if this was a real podcast, real show thing, you know how they cram everybody in one tiny room? Yeah. Yeah. You can see that with uh, the Dan Lebetard show when they crowd the three guys behind the desk and everything. You you can <laughs> yeah, really they, tell that. I don't think we would do very well. Yeah, they got like producers and they got other guys that look up stats and they're all talking. It's yeah, they don't fighting. have yeah they don't have as much room as you would think. Like when you see behind the scenes and everything, it's really small and confined. So doing this remotely, I'm perfectly okay with. Yeah, it looks like an NFL draft war room or something. Yeah, there you go. People running out of nowhere and handing you papers. And... <laughs> You're practically like sitting on top. Like everybody's just sitting in one chair. Yeah. Everybody shares a chair. Yeah, exactly. Like the Lions war, war room, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. we I don't think it's... we need to get into that yet. Right. It sure would be fun, though. <laughs> yeah, we'll be uh, we'll have some things to add to it here. But just to give you a little background with Brandon, if you don't remember from last time he was here, he uh, the three of us actually worked together at one point, Craig, Brandon and myself. Uh, Brandon has extensive knowledge on uh, really in-depth knowledge with Lions football. Uh, been a Michigan fan long time, too. But also, if you guys ever have an interest in uh horror slasher movies and everything, especially eighties and things like that. Uh, he's your go-to person. So the bad stuff too, like the cheese. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> he likes that. Yeah. It's the best stuff. Right. See what he is like. He likes that cheesy horror stuff. I like the cheesy 50, 60 stuff. I like all that. So, and I just like yeah. cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, <laughs> This is going to be good. This is going to be good. So we're going to start things off kind of like we normally do. We do our did you know, just our fun little factoid at the beginning and everything, uh, you know, help get the brain cells going and everything. So uh, to get things kicked off, I'll be bringing this up this week. Uh, I'm sure that we'll have a bunch of fun ones and interesting things over the uh, off season. But uh, here to bring you did you know this week. Back in 1386, there was a pig in the country of France that was executed by public hanging for murdering a child. Wow. So there, there you go. I, I was really trying to come up with a clever, like, you know, pork or ham pun, but I couldn't think that quickly on my feet. Wow. So there you go. Apparently animals, if it ever comes up in a pop quiz, has an animal ever been hung to death? There you go. There's your answer. 1386. Wow. I wonder if they ate him afterwards. I was going to say that's also the year that bacon was created. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. 
bacon, man. Go from cheese to bacon. Freaking, I'm hungry, guys. Knock it off. Bacon with cheese. All right. Yeah. There you go. So All we're right. Getting your, we're getting your learn on here, man. Yeah, we're we're getting slightly sidetracked. Uh, but that uh, we definitely want to take an opportunity here now because we do have something uh, that we definitely have to mention, and it's breaking news for the show. And uh, Craig, I'll actually hand things off to you uh, so you can say what you want to say. Yeah, breaking news. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things that you know, and I'll just kind of come out and say that I'll be kind of stepping down as the co-host of the uh, big. Blue Brothers Sportscast. So, how long we've been doing this? Five years, something like that. Uh, as Four, long as Harbaugh yeah. has been coach. So, yeah, yeah, right when Harbaugh st- started coaching. So, we've been at this, and actually, a good time to do it when we started it because a lot of drama comes along with him and eccentric coach he is, and all that. But uh, I mean, I'm not going away completely. I'll be jumping in here and there, but I won't be doing it every. Um, every day or every week we do it two times during the season two times during the week and it was a lot for me so um i'll be you know maybe once a month maybe once in a while i'll jump on and you know i talk to these guys all the time so it's cool and i'm sure caleb but uh yeah it was a tough decision for me um i miss the fans i miss the people i miss obviously caleb and doing the show with them because it was always fun to do Michigan uh, heartbreaking as it is and I'm much pulled pull my hair out with the season and what they do but I'm also a Michigan fan but I'm a family guy so I'm going to spend time more with my family and just you know I'm getting old 50 years old so <laughs> that old that old uh I need the old man nap and go to bed a little bit earlier might be there so but um but I'll be around I mean I will but uh just not as devoted as the youngster Caleb is. So Yeah, so yeah. It's a tough decision for me because I love doing it. I love being and doing it with Caleb. Obviously he's always fun and you know and Rashawn and all those guys and we just had a great we were we really started off with nothing and we actually became pretty something and a lot a lot of people on Twitter and social media listen to the show. Uh, we got a lot of fans, a lot of people follow us, a lot of people listen to us across the country, even from other countries. <laughs> we didn't even know that, which is really cool. But uh, yeah, I won't be, I'll be, you know, I'll jump on once in a while and give my two cents, but uh, not every week. So, Yeah, well, I want to express my gratitude because uh, Craig was the guy who jumped in when uh, years ago. Uh, real quick tidbit, um, I was on a radio spot um, when they had fans come on and join for like a half an hour, an hour spot. I can't remember. And I mentioned about how much fun I had after that and about how I'd always wanted to do a podcast. And uh, Craig was somebody who jumped in right away for that. And so that was, like he said, perfect timing with Harbaugh. And so thanks, Craig. I always do appreciate it. And like he said, he'll he'll be around. Uh, it just won't be a weekly thing for him. Um, right. But definitely want to thank him for that. Now, I, I do have to say I'm convinced that there are two one of two things contributing to this. <laughs> Either you're wanting to go out in a blaze of glory or whatever insert word that you want to, like Urban Meyer has chosen to, <laughs> or nice. you you have a conflict with your new bingo night. It's one of the two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
exactly. I'm going, hey, it's all bingo. But yeah, I'm like going, hmm, me retiring and Urban Meyer. Huh, let me th think. <laughs> I think I've done better against Urban Meyer than maybe Michigan has. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, really? <laughs> so, yeah. You definitely so, haven't done worse. So, right. Exactly. I haven't done worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's all good, man. Um, I'll be around, but not as often. So. Yeah. So, um, just want to let you guys know that, uh, give you a heads up. If we know ahead time when Craig will be back, maybe we'll let you know an episode ahead or whatnot. So, uh, but yeah. Brandon will be, uh, joining the show as the new blue bro. I mean, he's been in a lot of our conversations anyways. We bring him up a lot on the show. He's got a lot of uh, football background knowledge and everything with that. And uh, so there should be pretty much, I know that through the years, uh, there have been different times when Craig hasn't been able to join. Uh, and so sometimes I've had to go solo, but I would kind of imagine between Brandon and Craig that throughout the year, potentially we should be able to have at least two, if not three people on the show. So we'll see how it goes. I know that'll go great. That'll go fine. And uh, I'm excited for it. And I know that uh, uh, we're all looking forward to it and appreciate Craig, what you've done. Uh, but uh, part of what we've done or most of what we've done is been talking about football, big 10 football and Michigan football. So we'll go ahead and make sure that we jump on over to the football conversation. Do it. Okay, so this week what we're going to do is uh, we're going to touch a little bit on the uh, Big Ten Bowl season as uh, things have kind of wrapped up. Actually, where we are tonight is uh, tomorrow night is the college football uh, championship game, Clemson, Alabama. Honestly, I don't know if I'm going to watch it uh, similar to uh, last year. I know it was Alabama, Georgia, but I don't know if I care enough to watch it or if I'll just find out who wins afterwards. But uh, we want to make sure that we didn't miss the bowl season. We talked about Michigan's bowl game specifically, but this is just going to kind of be an over overlook general conversations, things like that. I'm going to give the results and then we're going to talk about things kind of, you know, What's your main reaction? What do you think was the most impressive thing that happened for Big Ten teams during the bowl season uh, and things of that nature? So uh, things got kicked off with uh, Minnesota beating Georgia Tech 34 to 10. Uh, continuing the winning streak, uh, Wisconsin dominated Miami 35 to 3. Big Ten took their first big uh, for took their first loss to Auburn uh, when Purdue played them. That was a 14 to 63 loss. Uh, Mich Michigan, as we all know how that turned out, uh, 41 to 15 loss to Florida. Uh, the one point loss for Michigan State against Oregon. Uh, it was the seven to six final. Northwestern got the Big Ten another win with uh, beating number 17, Utah, 31 to 20. Uh, Iowa took down Mississippi State 27 to 22 and Penn State in weird fashion lost to Kentucky 27 to 24 and at the very end of things in the Rose Bowl Ohio State held off Washington 28 to 23. So I will start with uh Craig what mm -hmm. do you think would be 
what would you kind of consider one of the mo- more impressive things that you saw out of the Big Ten teams during the bowl season? Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, with the, the record pretty much with the bowl games in Big Ten was five and four. So, yeah. correct? I believe yep. it was. So, with uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Iowa, and Ohio State winning. And then, like you said, Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State losing. I think I'm 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 impressed, I think, more with I watched the Iowa game. I was really impressed with that, but I'm just constantly impressed not only by the season, but the way the bowl game went for Northwestern and how you and I have talked about Fitzgerald and how what a great coach he is and how they stepped up in all these games. I mean, they actually gave Ohio State a run for their money at the Big Ten championship game, and then they go into the bowl game and they win. And the coaching job he does using the three stars mostly they have on their squad, and he gets the most out of them, I would say all year, not just the bowl game, but just Northwestern just has impressed me all year. And that I think you and I even said – we didn't even have Northwestern coming out of the conference winning that um, side. And we had, I think, Wisconsin or somebody like Iowa, but not Northwestern. But, uh, yeah, I would say Northwestern right there uh, just did a really, really good job. Even though I liked what Iowa did, I actually watched that game, and it was really good. It was a close game. But uh, Iowa flexing their muscles was a really good game, too. So, Yeah, Iowa was a fun and exciting game to watch because uh, that game down – came down to the very end of it. So, uh, Brandon, your thoughts kind of take away from Big Ten football specific game or overall what was kind of something that stuck out to you? Um, I mean, other than what Craig said about Northwestern, that just their, like, heart and their tenacity just, like, blows me away. Like, I wish that Michigan could play like that. Yeah. Like, they, they never give up. And, like, Fitzgerald's always got them in the game. And it doesn't seem to matter who they play, like, like you were saying, like Ohio State in the, the Big Ten Championship, like they hung in there the whole game. I mean, obviously that was something that Michigan couldn't do against Ohio State. But another thing that stood out to me was the Wisconsin game. Mm. I mean, I picked Miami to win that. I didn't think Wisconsin had a chance at all. And then the fact that, that Taylor went off for 205 yards, that's nuts. Yeah, you actually took that one away from me because I wanted to make sure to mention that one because, yeah, with especially considering, I mean, uh, we had just previously been talking about how Wisconsin kind of quote-unquote had a down year for their standards, and they were going, um, they went 7-5 and five for the regular season, and they lost their last game to Minnesota. I mean, just weird things that Wisconsin normally doesn't do. And the way that they came out and won that game, I mean, 35 to three, they completely dominated. Uh, and then, of course, um, why am I totally blanking on his name? The Miami head coach retires and everything afterwards. Hey. Yeah, Mark, Rick. Mark. Yep. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, but it was, it was impressive. So, yeah, if you weren't going to say that one, Brandon, I definitely wanted to bring that up. Yeah, and I thought Miami is supposed to have a really good defense. Like, I know they have a lot of speed and a lot of playmakers. Yeah. So, I'm, 
I remember sitting at home and I was like, oh crap, I forgot that game was on. I checked the score and I'm like, I might as well not even watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree. I start, I watched so many bowl games, even when they were blowouts, just because I knew college football was coming to an end and I wanted to enjoy it as much as possible. But yeah, that one got away quickly. So, and then of course there was the flip side for the big 10 where things didn't turn out well for them. But yeah. And uh, I know that, you mentioned Iowa already, Craig, but that was uh, impressive for me too, especially because Iowa isn't really a flashy team. And I know I don't really believe it or stick with it, but everybody talks about SEC speed, uh, Mississippi State. I mean, we're talking about um, Moorhead, who just came from Penn State. Uh, So he's familiar with Big Ten football. And... Uh, the fact that they were able to come in, they had an eight wins uh, season. They got their ninth win uh, and it was a battle like uh, during part of watch, watching that game and everything. I thought all hope was lost for Iowa, but they they stuck with it when Mississippi State was dr- making a drive and everything to try to take the lead at the end. Uh, Iowa got forced a turnover or stopped them. I can't remember exactly how it turned out, but uh, that was that was something that stuck out for me, especially, you know, I mean, considering Kirk Ferentz has been there forever and he always goes up and down, but he always tends to uh, surprise people. So, yeah, he's gritty. I mean, Iowa and Wisconsin and you got Northwestern all kind of similar, all play similar to Michigan. They kind of grind their grinders. Uh, They're kind of brutes when they play. Uh, it isn't pretty. It's always like you're not going to see flashy scores or uh, flashy offense uh, going around, throwing the ball down the field. That's not how they play. They play similar to Michigan, um, and they did a good job. But, uh, yeah, like Brandon said, that's a, you know, that's a great point, bringing up Miami, talking about how Wisconsin, their running back, using, I think, one of the best running backs in the country and using Taylor, um, young too, Um the guy goes off. One of the, he is such a good running back, um, and just rolls over Miami, who's looking at sitting on four to five star players. I mean, we're talking Miami was like what top five, top ten last year in this season. They were up there, and now Wisconsin takes them to just rolls over them bad, and it, it's pretty amazing. And they rode their horse, and they just literally said, "Hey, you know what? We're just going to give it to Taylor." This is what I'm saying. Is it? And I'm going to kind of circle this around back to Michigan, where you're saying, "Can a team like Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, who are grinders, they're kind of moving the ball? Can you win that way?" And I'm like, "Of course you can." The problem is you have to have the right people in place. You have to have an offensive line. You got to have tight end blockers, and you got to have a good running back in. Taylor's something special, man. He really is. So I was really impressed with him. Yeah, look at Wisconsin. They'll probably have, like, yeah. four of their linemen will be drafted Yeah, within the first, like, four rounds. Yep. yep. Yeah. Exactly. See, that's that's the thing, though, too, is, like, uh, and exactly as you said, Craig, to bring this back around to Michigan is that, you know, these teams have their identity. That's Wisconsin's identity. They run the ball. And I and that's essentially kind of where Jim Harbaugh is taking it. He wants to be able to have that strong grounding game. But at the same time, when you don't have that strength, especially when you lose that strength, like you lost um, Higdon for the bowl game, you need to play to what your best strength is. And the best strength for Michigan 
even during the regular season was honestly their wide receivers. And they never really leaned on that or really used that to their advantage. They used it when they needed to, but they could have, you know, capitalized it uh, throughout the whole year. So, right. yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of tough to see that when certain teams have a specific identity and uh, dominate in that fashion. Yeah, in Northwestern game, I mean, you're talking the defense really showed up against Utah. Um, it was really cold and, you know, rainy, and they, I believe Northwestern scored 21 points off uh, turnover. So that's pretty crazy. And to see them do against Utah, I thought Utah would, just the way their style of play, uh, the way they spread the field out, um, I thought, in a way, Northwestern's going to have a tough time because that's the way Ohio State kind of runs their program and yeah northwestern pulled it out i mean they really did a good job their defense just their defense is for real so i mean are we yeah, how bad did how bad did utah melt down too it seemed like right exactly fumble my, after fumble it was nuts yeah i mean my thing if you're talking about bowls is you know you want to talk about the ugly bowl game with michigan let's did any of you see the Michigan State and Oregon game? Uh, sadly, yeah. <laughs> um, I, mean, I did not. I did, and my word, it's like a mess. That was a stuff. <laughs> I don't think anybody could hold on to the ball. It was just like fumbling all over the place, and it was just a disaster. Nobody could do anything. So, Well, yeah, yeah. They, they talked about how the um, botched, because uh, Michigan State was going for the long field goal to take the lead in the fourth quarter. And uh, they botched the snap and they were saying how that was kind of summary of their season. And I was just like, dude, it was a summary of that game. You know, oh, I mean, like yeah. nothing was going right. Nobody could hold on to the ball. Nobody could, you know, move the ball offensively. And it was just, I mean, a score seven to six. And it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Disaster. Was, yeah. You, yeah, you had Oregon pretty much on a silver platter saying, here, you want the ball, and then Michigan State saying, nah, I don't want it, you can have it. And then Oregon's going, hey, you know what, we'll do a trick play on a on a, on a punt play. Ah, that's okay, we'll give it back to Michigan State. Just disaster from both teams. It wasn't even Michigan State, it was just a mess. Bad all overall, but it was good to see Sparty lose. So. Well, well, even um, besides that, talking about holding on to the ball, the funny thing that I'll add to that is that Michigan state had several fumbles, but they went right back to Michigan state. Like the ball <laughs> bounced like a basketball on the ground and directly right back up to, I think uh, the quarterback. And then there was the running back or somebody or a receiver, somebody fumbled it and it went right to their other player. Nah, and it was just, it was insane. And like you said, nobody could hold on to the ball. No. But uh, a positive thing that I also kind of want to add here to talking about the bowl games before we move on to the uh, second part of the conversation, of the episode, um, Minnesota, I think it's the last one that we kind of haven't really talked about, um, but just kind of interesting. And I, I would say kind of impressive. We've already touched on it a little bit, but for PJ Fleck, uh, I know it's not a whole lot to say that Minnesota finished six and six, but the fact that they finished with a win against Wisconsin for the regular season. And then they went on and beat Georgia tech in the bowl game. I know Georgia tech wasn't all too flashy, but Georgia tech is a tricky team to play um, because of their offense. And um, if I'm not mistaken, their coach was retiring or 
they were replacing the coach, but they were, I was even watching that game and Georgia tech. It did what it seems like few uh, teams do in the bowl games where they were just like, Hey, you know, this is it. We're just going to throw everything weird and everything that we have at you. And they did. And Minnesota still, you know, won and won convincingly 34 to 10. So it was, um, I got to say that I'm impressed that that team was able to beat Wisconsin and go in and win their bowl game. Yeah. Go ahead, Kit. Go ahead, uh, Brian. So, oh, did we lose? I mean, you're talking, well, it was a field day for, uh, what's his name, Ibrahim? I mean, he he had holes all day. Minnesota just literally opened up holes for that guy. He had like something like 224 yards of <clears throat> running, and then he had uh, two touchdowns. So he literally that offensive line did their job for Minnesota. And it, it, we're talking, and you're right. You're talking Georgia Tech is known for what that uh, spread offense or that um, you know triple option or whatever they do. I think they do the triple option too, similar to air force, but, uh, yeah. and they're it's tricky. They got that speed, but, um, yeah, it, this is where those, you look, look at the big 10 and you match them up against something like that. And you would say, man, the big 10 is dominant. And then they have so much struggles with teams. Like, you know, when it comes to talent, I think we were, you're, what you're seeing is, these teams do really, really well when they're fighting each other. Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa, um, all these Northwestern, they're all like teams that are like to beat each other up. And Michigan's kind of on top there. And then there's Ohio State, who's kind of on a different level. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even talk about them because they're on a totally different level. They're like an SEC team in the Big Ten. So. Yeah, that's yeah. another one I got wrong in my picks because I thought for sure that Georgia Tech was going to roll over them. Yeah, 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 I agree. But yeah, I'm like I'm looking at the the box score here. Did you know that Georgia Tech's running or quarterback ran the ball 22 times? Wow, <laughs> the quarterback. <laughs> wow, wow. Like either they're they're counting all the sacks as rushes too, or what? But my lord. Yeah, Man. that's like Denard Robinson right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the last one uh, to mention and kind of talk about, and this will kind of transition us into the la- uh, the latter end of the episode, but uh, Ohio State 28, Washington 23. Uh, Ohio State was running away with it, but then in the second half, they just kind of didn't do anything, and they let, uh, they let Washington score 20 points in the fourth quarter while they were shut out. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what happened. Obviously, you know, they finished with the win and that was it. And that was Urban Meyer's last um, coaching um, coaching stint for Ohio State for a game for them. But, uh, but yeah, that was kind of interesting to see. And I'll just kind of – I wasn't able to watch the entire game as I was kind of hoping to, but, you know – I don't know if I really want to dive into it all that much. Now nah, I'll save that. We already talked about the Michigan Ohio state game. We don't need to dig that up anymore, but um, I, I'm going to mention this and then we're going to play a voicemail here in a second because it all ties together. But uh, we're going to be kind of talking about, you know, urban Meyer's done. Uh, we haven't really talked and addressed his retirement much. 
uh, even though it's been over a month that he's officially said that he's going to be retiring. Uh, it's done now. He coached his last game. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about, you know, how we see that because it's, it's a unique situation because he's not exactly leaving. He's assistant athletic director. He's also teaching classes, uh, at Ohio state. So it's not a normal situation. Uh, so we'll talk about that, uh, because we'll relate here to a voicemail that we got a week or two ago. I haven't listened to this voicemail exactly, but it was talking about urban Meyer and the coaching situation at Ohio State. So I figured that we play this now and talk about it uh, as it's a good time to do it since the bowl season's, well, outside the championship game is rolling up. So I will get this voicemail fired up and then we'll talk about after the voicemail finishes. Hey guys, this is Ray from Tampa again. Last one, I promise. So, um, this is just something that I've been thinking about and everything like that. So let's look at at what um, Urban did up at uh, up at OSU. So Urban took over a program from um, can't think of the guy's name, but he's in Cincinnati who was the interim coach before Trestle, and then Trestle took over the program uh, from Cooper, right? So there was, like, for the most part, the last 20, 30 years, there's been really three coaches, even though there's four, really three coaches that OSU has had, and basically, little by little, each coach built off of the previous coach for recruiting purposes and, and depth and everything like that. Um now, let's look at Alabama. In Alabama, Nick Saban took over for Stoops. Stoops was a great recruiter. He just wasn't a good developer. And look at what he's been able to develop before then. Les Miles took over LSU from Saban. Saban had won a title on there. Les Miles kept developing and building. He was able to win a championship, let alone build you know, the program. He just couldn't be Alabama his last six or seven years or whatever. Now let's look at Michigan. So, to actually look at Michigan, we're going to have to go back a little ways, all right? So, we have Bo, and then we have Gary Moeller. Gary Moeller built off of Bo. Then we have Lloyd. Lloyd built off of Gary and Bo. So, you know, we're still staying true to who Michigan is. We're seeing some changes. Lloyd is building along the way. And for the most part, in the beginning, he was beating Ohio State, and then later on in the years, not as much. But he basically averaged 10 wins a season. Then Lloyd retires. We hire Rich Rodriguez. Everything that we had from Bo on, still holding true to who Bo is and, and our beliefs in, in, in the team, the team, the team, that all goes away because we bring in Rich Rodriguez, who wants his own culture, wants his own. Everything that was Michigan that we knew of, he completely threw away and said that's not important because he cared more about his system than he did winning. So we really didn't win. Then comes Brady Hope. 
he's trying to bring back Bo, but he just doesn't have it. He did win 11 games, though. Uh, looks like the uh, the time cut out for him there. So um, thanks, Ray, for that call. So uh, essentially just talking about the transition and everything on uh, the difference in the fields with coaches and everything. Uh, we'll talk about that here for a second, and then we'll talk about the state of things with like Ohio State and um, Urban Meyer with the retiring and everything. Uh, the one thing that I'll say about that before handing off to you guys um, is yeah, uh, stability is a good thing. Uh, Rich Rodriguez, as Craig and I have talked about multiple times on the show and everything, that shook things up a lot. And, uh, you know, you even said it yourself, Ray. It was a culture change, it was a team change, recruiting change. Everything kind of changed at that point, and it takes a lot to uh, get things settled from that, you know, get things panned out. Like, it would have taken him a long time to be able to get his system really implemented and everything, but it just was not working really at all. Uh, And it's taken some time afterwards kind of recuperating from that. Um, But one thing I'll add just from the the idea of, you know, it's – there are certain places that have been able to do it. And usually they're the bigger programs that have the bigger, you know, recruiting buzz and everything around it. When there are drastic changes brought in that, uh, something can be turned around in a couple of years, but most of the time stability is the way that works. You know, somebody comes in and something's already there kind of laid out something that they can build upon. Um, but a little bit of perspective and the thing that I'll add to what you were saying, uh, Ray, is that since 19, 19- 90 Michigan has had four coaches that have coached five years or less four coaches. Um, so they've had more coaches than that. But, uh, since 1994 coaches have coached five years or less. If you wanted to go to the last time that Ohio state had a coach that coached less than five years, you'd have to go back to 1950. Wow. So talking about the stability and everything, uh, I think it has an impact, especially at a place like Michigan, you know, when you have the, uh, all the people who are invested in the football program and everything. I mean, uh, when everything happened with Rich Rod, when, um, Carr left and everything, I mean, there was a lot of shaking down, uh, the athletic director didn't help things either. So, but it is what it is. And I, I understand where you're going, uh, with it, with that conversation, but, uh, Craig and Brandon, uh, actually I'll probably start with Brandon this time. Uh, do you have any thoughts to share with just kind of, you know, the, the stability that other programs have had had or kind of, uh, reaction to what Ray, Ray was sharing? Um, he made, he made a really good point. I guess I've never really thought about that outside of Michigan. Like I didn't think about how the other programs are kind of run the same. I mean, um, the way that Ohio state's been running their team for the last few coaches, there hasn't really been big drastic changes like from Michigan going from Carr to, uh, Rodriguez because I mean, Carr is basically what we're running now is just grinded out. But Rodriguez was complete spread mobile quarterback, you know, small running backs that can, um, take handoffs out of the shotgun mostly. Um, And if you think about it, like he said, like the point he was getting to is that Harbaugh and Brady Hoke had to basically start from scratch. Where Hoke was still running and kind of like a mixture of the two. He was almost like a transition, I suppose. 
mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, Harbaugh's going back to the more traditional Michigan, Michigan style offense. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, Craig, your thoughts? Well, I mean, he's absolutely right. You look it, it, and it's, uh, it, it's very interesting. And I've, I've harped about this. I've even had, um, when I get Sparty fans coming at me and I always kind of bring this up and say, you know, all these planets align perfectly for coach D'Antonio to start at Michigan state, right. When Michigan's transitioning something big and huge to something that we're not. And it was amazing to watch because coach D'Antonio starts at Michigan state with right in an era when Lloyd Carr ends and then, Dave Brandon brings in and says, hey, you know what? We're going to upend all of what Michigan's all about, grind, power football, um, and we're going to go to a spread. <laughs> and and what's that take? But if you have to imagine, you have to think about this for a moment. That time, that year when they did that, we had a quarterback ready to to start, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, to come to start for Michigan, and they, he started a couple games, and then he transferred out at Arkansas. It was Ryan Mallett. You remember that? Oh yeah. The dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he left because we went to a spread. We lost him, and when that happens, you like Brandon was saying, you have to upend everything. You have to get the right quarterback for the situation. You got to get the right linebackers. You got to get the right running backs. You got to get everything. You got to pretty much look at Oregon and do and do that. And yet we didn't have any yet. We had biggies up front. <laughs> we had tall. Stephen three. <laughs> yeah, Stephen, right, exactly. It's Stephen three, Nick Sheridan as our guys. And here we are going. And you wonder why Michigan was bad for years and years and years. Because you know what? I don't think Michigan, Michigan recovered from that. And, it, I, and I think Brandon's absolutely right. I think it took Brady Hoke in that transition of getting. I call him. He was like the sacrificial lamb <laughs> to get us out of this part, kind of give us some resemblance of a pro style or kind of get us back to that. He'll sacrifice his job for it. And then he gets us somewhat there. And then Jim Harbaugh brings us back to where we're supposed to be and stay. And those are the longest years of our lives because, you know, Michigan state whipped up on us and you, you got to, give it to them because they were like, Hey, it's perfect time. It's a perfect storm. Michigan's transitioning to something they're not. And then Michigan state whips up on us. Heck we, heck we had a hard time beating Akron. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, those are the years of almost, uh, we lost to Rutgers, Akron and all these other low ball teams because we went to that spread and thank God that's where it, that's the perfect point he made. And, and I tell you it, it's, I'm glad we're away from it. it. Those are the down years we look back at it. But I don't think any program switched. That's like saying Oregon, we're going to go to uh, kind of like a Wisconsin way of working. And you have to – it's going to take a long time for you to even get to that point. And I think it really hurt us. I really think if we would have stuck to a pro style after Lloyd Carr, I think we would have got the right coach. Um, not a spread. I think Michigan would have been in pretty good, decent position, but we didn't. And it, it, it took a long, long time to get us to where we are now. 
That's actually some yeah, really interesting. Yeah. It would be basically like uh, Air Force going from, you know, their triple option to like a run and shoot or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Now that you bring it up, when you think about it, I can't think of any other program. I mean, oh. of course, I'm sure that's happened at some point, but I can't think of any other program that just essentially tried to flip the coin from one yeah. season to the next. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Mm hmm. I mean, it was just amazing because, you know, Dave Brandon pretty much had his grubby hands all over it. Thank God he's gone. But it, it was, you know, like I said, it was the perfect storm with all this. And in, in Ohio State, you know, we were always competitive with Ohio State. That happens. We weren't competitive at all. And then you get Coach D'Antonio coming in with Michigan State, and he says his little rant, and he whips up a, uh, on us. And then you just have this downfall where everybody's beating Michigan. So dark times. Yeah. Well, something <laughs> that wasn't things. even mentioned was uh, you guys were talking about offense the whole time. I mean, you didn't even mention about how terrible oh, yeah. things happened when Rich Rod came in and he essentially could care less about recruiting for defense. And <laughs> Michigan didn't have defense basically for three years. Yeah, we were basically in the Big 12 for there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> We were, we're in the big 10, but we're a big 12 school. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you're right. They were all small speed guys, right? He's pretty mm -hmm. much pushed them over. They all flop over. Right. So yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Caleb. Yeah. Uh, those so, were dark days, but yeah, well, things have gone brighter, but they haven't exactly come out of the uh, shadows completely as we've talked about with things with Ohio state over the years. But um, the the thing to finish off with, you know, the unique situation that we've been talking about with Urban Meyer with his retirement, I kind of want to get your both of your thoughts on it because so here's the thing. So, of course, everything was really messed up um, with Urban Meyer and being the head coach with things that took place before the season even got kicked off. He wound up getting suspended completely away from the team for the first game. And then after that, the following two weeks, he was able to coach, but he wasn't able to go and coach the games. And then after that, everything picked up like regular. And then uh, after the Michigan game, between the Michigan game, was it between the Michigan game and the Big Ten game? Or was it between the Big Ten game and the... I think it was after the Michigan game, wasn't it? Um, yeah. He announced that he was going to be retiring uh, yeah. after, after this season. So after the Big Ten title game and after the bowl game um, during, of course, when he was suspended, Ryan day was the head coach. Uh, they also then announced that Ryan day is going to be taking over. Urban Meyer is staying on as assistant athletic director, as well as teaching a course or courses at Ohio state. But so here's, here's the thing that I want to bring up to kind of help stir the pot get you guys thinking and get your reactions to the whole situation. So everything that I just said, but here is where I find myself afterwards. And I want to see what you guys think. So I was having a, a conversation with my dad. Uh, he's a sports guy. He's not like that big. He, he likes to sit down and watch it. He doesn't really dissect things. Um, but we were talking about how urban Meyer was retiring and he said, um, yeah, you know, who would want to really come in after Urban Meyer, you know, and not just the fact that you're coming in after him because he's sitting at the coach that has had the best record 
for any Michigan or, or Ohio state coach. Cause he's won 90% of his games at Ohio state, but also he's staying on as the assistant athletic director. I mean, that, essentially he's like looking over your shoulder the whole entire time. And yeah. it really made me really, him saying it that way really kind of put things in perspective for me because I already knew as, as soon as urban Meyer said he was retiring, I was just like, okay, yeah, he's retiring, but you know, he'll be back on campus. He'll be going through game plans with them. He'll be sitting down with them at some point. If anything, at least probably the Michigan game, I could almost guarantee it. And lo and behold, then it comes out. He's staying on campus and being the assistant athletic director. And with the way that the, that my dad was having the conversation with me, I was just like, is Ryan day even going to be the head coach? Because no, he's a puppet. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, cause everybody knows that when Joe pa was still at Penn state, he wasn't really head coach. Like he wasn't calling plays. He was, he was so old. He was essentially, you know, just a, there for show. Like, yes, he had some things that he could contribute, but he wasn't really running the show. And essentially it's a little bit reverse here because that's what it looks like is what's going to happen with Ryan day, because everybody wins here unless something goes wrong. And then Ryan day is the only one that's going to lose. Cause he, listen to this out. Ohio state could have gotten rid of urban Meyer if they wanted to, and they could have saved face in front of the whole world of college football and said, Hey, we got rid of a bad dude because he didn't do the right thing, but they didn't because winning was more important. So then, uh, but they also saved face for their fan base because if they had gotten rid of urban Meyer, their fan base would have like burned the school down practically. So instead of getting rid of him there, I don't know if he was forced to, or if it was urban Meyer's idea. Now he's retiring. So urban Meyer's happy and the school's happy. And the fan base is happy. The Ohio state fan base is happy. Not only that, but he's also staying on at the university. So, you know, he's still contributing, you know, he's still going to be there with game planning and things like that. He's not going to be coaching on the field, but they already proved that they're capable of doing that with what Ryan day was able to do the first three weeks of the 2018 season. They don't need urban Meyer necessarily on the sidelines uh, Ryan day can go ahead and be the puppet on the sidelines and everybody else can go ahead uh, and they can coach everything during the regular week and still win on Saturdays. So do you, do do you think that that's kind of really the case or is that just, you know, a possibility or is something else is completely happening? Cause I'm, I'm pretty convinced that I think that that's, essentially what's going on because then in the end urban Meyer still helps Ohio state win, which is all Ohio state cares about. And then Ryan day has the potential of looking like an amazing um, successor to urban Meyer. But if anything goes wrong, it all just falls back on Ryan day and they say, okay, we wash our hands from this Ryan day. You're fired. Let's get somebody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of if you take Ryan day and just replace him with Jason Garrett, and then you take her fire <laughs> and you take Jerry Jones. That's exactly what you're seeing. Who the heck runs the show? Everybody exactly. knows Jerry Jones runs the show. It's like everybody's going, hey, yeah, you're really the coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> you just got a whistle around your neck. That's about it. And they're all looking up at Urban Meyer going, and eh, now you run the show. <laughs> but you're right. It's just like, you know, you're not fooling anybody. It's like, hey, yep. 
Ryan Day's there, prop him up as the yeah new coach. But come on, really? Jeez. He's basically just sitting on Urban's lap while he, Urban's got his hand up his back, moving his head around. Right, exactly. It's kind of like Wizard of Oz. Like, pay no attention to the, the man behind the curtain. <laughs> the curtain, right, yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. also, what I think about this too is funny thing that pops in my head is so Urban's teaching classes. Is I just oh, yeah. picture him like sitting down on the corner of his desk trying to be that cool professor, and he's wearing a tweed jacket with with suede patches on the elbows. <laughs> <laughs> and then right, and then using uh, cursive for his name. My name is Urban Meyer. But you could call me Mr. M. <laughs> right, oh, my right. gosh. I'm herbs to you, okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you guys feel the same way I do is that if, you know, his his health problems that he has, that he had when he was in Florida, too, you think in a couple of years he's going to be coaching somewhere else, oh, even yeah. though he swears up and down he's not going to? Oh, dang right. Right, he is. Uh, I mean, yeah, just talk of Notre Dame and things like that because I think that he is very tied to Notre Dame and stuff. But, you know, I don't know if it'll be that. I, I'm i not sure, you know, it could be NFL. I, I doubt that. But I, to me, I'm like, man, dude, just retire. Go take on, you know, take a head coaching job at Memphis. You know, you don't really have to worry about anything. You don't really have high expectations there. You know, you can kind of recruit here and there and you're cool and you don't have to, you know, you're, you don't have to worry about your, your assist in your head and things like that. Just, you know, get above 500 and you're cool. <laughs> and it, that, that would, I, that's what I would do. But I, I think he's going to coach again. Uh, I know people that don't i think caleb doesn't think he will but i don't know you know i don't know about the health thing i don't know if that's true or not uh, it's it true i would say he probably shouldn't but um to me he's he's thrown way even after the bowl game if you look at him some of the things he said if you look at some of the messages he throws out he isn't there's nothing solid there it's always i don't believe i'll coach again <laughs> those yeah. are the Words he uses, I don't believe I'll coach again. Who says that? It's like somebody who's already been caught lying. Yeah, right. that's like me. Saying, I don't believe I know how to delete. Yeah, that's like me going. I don't believe I'll be doing the Blue Brothers sportscast anymore. It's like what the hell does that mean? You are, aren't you? It's like it's a it's a it's I call it a it's a he's giving himself wiggle room. It's a wiggle room response. It gives him a way out and makes him say, hey, if I retire, then I said it. And if I don't, I didn't actually say I was. I said, I don't believe I will. So that's how I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't really think that he will, um, especially kind of be interested to see how long this whole like assistant athletic director, whatever you want to call it, goes on at Ohio State because he ha- has the opportunity. I know everybody's going to talk about uh, Nick Saban being the greatest uh, college football coach. But if you really look at the numbers and especially the fact of we're talking about multiple national championships, Urban Meyer can step away with what winning, I think completely over his entire record. I didn't have to look at it, but um, like 90% of his games, Mm-hmm. No, at total, all. like completely because he coached at Bowling Green. He coached at Utah. 
Uh, he yeah. coached at Florida and everything like the most losses that he had in one season was four. And that was, or no, I'm sorry, five. And that was Florida. And then one time he had four losses, but anything besides that, he never had more than three. So, yeah. Yeah. If you look at the best winning percentages, college football coaches right now, number one, Newt Rockney at Notre Dame, right? 88%. And then over his, his career, Frank Leahy at Notre Dame. And Boston College, I believe he was there too, at 86%. And then Doit Perry at Bowling Green at 85%, and right at 85% too, Urban Meyer, Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State. Yeah, and so Urban Meyer has won multiple championships because he has two championships with Florida and one at Ohio State. And I know that Nick Saban has more. But Nick, Nick Saban, you know, he had his stint at MSU that didn't go very well. He had his NFL stint that didn't go very well. Everywhere Urban Meyer went, he has had a winning – he has never had a losing season. No. Never no. had – the closest to losing season that he has had was 8-5. and five. Oh, right. 8-5. Yeah, and five. Eight, Yep. And that was for what team? What, what that, was, was he that was his last year at Florida. Florida, right? Yeah, eight yeah. and five at Florida. And it Every... rocked him so hard he had a fake heart issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. it, uh, he has the opportunity to go down as you know one of because uh, people argue well, well, okay, yeah, sure, Nick Saban has multiple national championships, but it's just like look what Urban Meyer did, where he basically never lost. I mean, he yeah, has. He, yeah, we talked about how Urban Meyer is season during the season a better coach than Saban he is plain and simple the the facts this you know everything says it but you know we said Saban the difference is Saban has more hardware so so you give the hardware it's like Saban is well heck Saban tomorrow if he wins another one I think he'll he'll be he'll have the most championships and since the AP poll was created so crazy but um um but yeah, I mean, hardware saving. But if you take a look at Urban Meyer and during the season and his win percentages, it's unreal. It's not even close. So yeah, I just have a hard time thinking that Urban Meyer would risk that somewhere else because essentially his move from Florida to Ohio State was no risk at all because Ohio State was stacked and set and everything. So unless he's going into another place where he basically is going to be worshiped and given like complete control. I don't really see him risking it. What about high school? No, (laughs) I I doubt that. And I don't see NFL happening for him because he's, he's seen how that, because that's completely different. And that's what really, I mean, it definitely didn't ruin him, but I mean, it definitely didn't look good for Saban. So, but sure. Lions could use him. Yeah. Lions. Spurrier too. Yeah. Yep. There you go. But yeah, it's, he's a fantastic coach. Uh, You know, I'll question, obviously he was a great human being. I mean, that might be left for some other discussion, but um, I mean, the guy knows what he's talking about. So, I mean, he knows the coach he's, he's done it wherever he's went. It's pretty clear. Uh, He's a winner, Um, gets the best out of his team and he knows I, I look at you take a there's a handful of teams right now that are elite and they've been elite for a long time and when the Urban Meyer got to Ohio State they were elite and their elite status 
and Michigan's at that. They're a great team. They're not elite. And in order to make that bounce, that leap to elite, you got to beat Ohio State. You got to do it. And so Michigan's going to have to do that again. So. Yeah. Well, as we're about to wrap up here, I'm just going to share some things of his total career and everything at Ohio State. Again, like we, like we said, for for the first years of Harbaugh coming in and everything, you know, we had all this hope and everything that. You know, with time, Harbaugh would be able to be the coach that beat Urban Meyer for Michigan and things like that. It's just like at the end of things, you know, you have to look at it and just admit what it is. Not saying that we like it at all, but admit what it is. And Urban Meyer is the best coach that has ever coached for Michigan or Ohio State. Like his what he did over seven years, no other coach has done through their longevity and everything because he was 83 and nine. He didn't even have in seven years, double digit loss, like a total of yep. double digit loss. Uh, that's Great. so he won 90% of his games. He had one undefeated season, only three seasons. Did he have out of those seven? Did he have more than one loss? So not yeah. even 50% of the time as a, as a fan of Ohio state, would you have to deal with more than one loss for a season? And then the team either finished first or tied for first every single year in their division, either finished first or tied for first every single season in their division. He went four for two in bowl games, 67%. Every bowl game was a new year, six bowl game or a playoff bowl game. He had three conference titles and one national championship. Yeah. Seven years. Uh-huh. Now I know if he had stayed in everything, it would be, it'd be tough for him to keep that longevity and everything. Honestly, with the way that he was rolling, it probably wouldn't be anything too difficult for him to do it for 10 years. But there have been those coaches that were around for like 15, 20 years or things like that. And that'd be tough to hold up for, for seven years. I mean, yeah, like I said, he was the best on either side of the robbery and I hate it, but looking at it, it's just like any coach that you would have put up against that car, Bo, Userban, whoever the heck you want to go back to would have a tough time going up against something like that. Yeah. You're talking about a 17 year coaching career, 187 wins to 32 losses total. That's crazy, man. (laughs) 32. Good grief. 32 losses in a 17 year span. That's it. Yeah, I wouldn't even want to know what Michigan That's, as a team for the past 17 years, what yeah. they're, what, how many losses they've had. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. I think we got 32 losses within the whole the whole uh, span that we were talking about with the whole Rich Rod and, and um, Hoke and all that era. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic coach and is what it is. And, you know, wish him luck. But, uh um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens next year for Michigan, obviously, and what happens with Ohio state and coaching changes and all that. Yeah. Well, yeah. to put you in quick perspective and everything, uh, so 17 years, 2001, uh, urban Meyer was coaching. Uh, so yeah. 17 years, that's how long it was that it took him to get 32 losses for Michigan. Michigan got 32 losses starting from now going backwards. If you go backwards from now until 2012, 
and he started well, coaching thanks. in 2000. He started coaching in 2001. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that so it's, it's elite. We said we said Urban Myers at that elite level, elite level, and even Dabo Sweeney's getting there. We I think he is. You got Saban. Um, those two will be obviously meeting tomorrow, but uh, you got uh, these elite coaches, and uh, Jim Harbaugh is a great coach. He's not elite, and you know, can he get there? Of course, but a lot of things got to happen. But. Yeah, and we'll be talking about that. I think yep. next week. I think that'll be the conversation that we have next week. So, um, but I think that unless you guys have any final thoughts, I think we'll wrap it up right there. You guys good? Yeah, yeah. good. Bowls. Bowls were interesting. Um, I, you know, I, to me, I, I, I find them. I like bowl games. I like to watch them. I like the matchups. Are pretty cool. I think it's the last time you get to actually see your team play. Um, I don't. I don't like the word. They're meaningless. I think they are actually. If you, the, it's funny because you started off the show talking about some of these bowl games and how amazing they were, and Brandon bringing up. Um, how incredible Wisconsin beat on Miami and you bringing up another one. And yet here we are saying, well, they're just meaningless bowl games. And I'm like, but not to them. They weren't, <laughs> you know, they didn't play like it. None of those teams mm-hmm. that won, they didn't play like it. And that's why I'm like, if you think about it, Northwestern beats 13 beats Utah, which is crazy in and in an ugly, you know, rainy and gross. And then you get, Minnesota beats their team. You get Wisconsin beats Miami, who was a top ten team last year, and yet they're meaningless. And then Michigan goes in thinking, "What? All players are going to sit out, and it's meaningless." And I'm like, "Well, they certainly play like it." <laughs> so um, I don't know. I'm on the fence there. I just I think they're great. I think bowl games mean something. Like you were talking about, Caleb saying the last game of the season, and you kind of go off go out on a horrible fashion so yeah yeah absolutely so well that wraps up this episode and uh again to mention craig thanks for everything we'll be catching you around so yep sure will appreciate it we'll have you back on like you said probably be once a month we'll uh we'll see it comes up but um you guys will hear back from craig every once in a while but uh until then yeah we'll go ahead and sign off and we thank you guys always for tuning in new year kind of new show new stuff going on um and we always appreciate you guys tuning in and listening and we'll finish off with go blue go blue go blue